The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Welcome, I'm Pastor Chris. Wow, what a great day already. Uh, I'm just all choked up and emotional after uh, being up here with all those kids and all those families. Uh, what a great day. There's so many things going on uh, in the life of your church. I want to let you know about a couple of them, things that are in your bulletin. Uh, there is a little save the date card, by the way, speaking of kids, uh, for VBS, Vacation Bible School. Uh, the date is uh, July uh, the 17th through the 21st, and it says on there that you can um, that you can register online beginning June 1st. Actually, we've already uh, updated our website with the new uh, registration for this year's VBS. So we'd encourage you today uh, to go ahead and register. It is like the greatest week of the summer uh, for kids, four-year-olds through fifth grade. So make sure you go ahead and start registering, spread the word about that. Uh, and then also in your bulletin this morning, uh, you'll notice is the uh, summer life group uh, catalog. Uh, the summer semester is a shorter semester. Uh, it's only like four to six weeks long, uh, but there's a lot of different groups, a lot of things going on in here uh, over the summer, so make sure you take a look at that, and then also make sure that on your way out today uh, that you not only get a gift, but you check out the Embrace Grace group. Uh, They have a table back there, and uh, Embrace Grace uh, is a support group uh, for single and pregnant young women. And if there's a group of people that need the love of the church and uh, community of support, uh, it's that group of people, and, um, and we're all about grace here at Coastal, and so we want to share that with those women. And uh, so if you'd like to volunteer or help with that, uh, make sure you check out uh, the little booth uh, after church today. So a lot of fun things going on. Uh, Next Sunday um, is a youth day here at Coastal. Uh, Ryan Spell, our youth pastor, is going to be preaching next Sunday. Woo! So I've already had like 10 people there. So you just get a week off. You don't do anything, right? You're like, yeah, that's all I do around here. I just preach. That's all I do. The rest of the, you know, so it'll it'll be like a vacation this week. No, um, it's going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. Don't miss that. And our kids, uh, one of our uh, students is going to be playing in the band. One of our students is going to be giving the announcements. They're going to be serving, and uh, you need to be here to support them. And uh, then next Sunday uh, evening, uh, we're going to the River Dogs game together. So if you'd like to do that, I'd like a ticket for that to help pay a student's way to camp. Uh, see Ryan, see any of our students today. I'm sure they have a ticket. Now, uh, we started, today we finish up this series uh, called The Real F Word uh, on Forgiveness. And uh, we began this series on forgiveness on Easter Sunday by looking at probably what is the most famous story that Jesus ever told, the story of the prodigal son. And today on Mother's Day, I want us to wrap up this series by looking at one of the most famous encounters that Jesus ever had. And the encounter he had was with a woman. My guess, uh, she too was a mother. Honestly, we don't really know for sure. We don't even know her name. Uh, We simply know her by the sin she committed. By the way, how would you like that? How would you like that, you know, for all of time, you're, you're not known by your name, you're just known by the sin that you commit, right? That's crazy, isn't it? But that's how we know her. We know her as the woman caught in adultery. Follow along as I read John chapter eight. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman, listen to this, that they had caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. So here's Jesus. He he is teaching in the temple. A crowd gathers. Uh, The religious leaders and the Pharisees, uh, they walk in, 
and they just, they just dump off this woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. I mean, you gotta imagine, this is kind of a, honestly, kind of a violent uh, scene. And, and the religious leaders and the Pharisees, we know that these people, they were into looking good on the outside, okay? Appearances and uh, fulfilling every detail of the law. Jesus, we know, was concerned about the heart, about the inside. Not only that, Jesus also uh, claimed to be the son of God. So let's just say that uh, this group of people, they were not too keen uh, on Jesus. So they drop off this woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. Now, that's a little interesting to me as well, by the way. You know, in 2,000 years, things haven't really changed all that much. Let me ask you kind of a little mathematical question this morning. When it comes to adultery, how many people have to be involved? Okay, two, it's not that hard. That's a pretty easy question, okay? Hopefully you should know the answer to that. Um, Two people have to be involved. But here she is by herself. My question is, where's the dude? You know, where's the guy? I mean, is he sleeping in? Is he reading the paper? You know, why isn't he here? But the truth is, it really doesn't matter because these religious leaders and these Pharisees who brought this woman really weren't concerned about justice, as they say. This woman was just a pawn. She's just bait to catch bigger fish, verse four. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They're trying to trap him into something that they could use against him. In other words, listen to this. If he says no, he loses. If he says yes, he loses. The law of Moses said to stone her. So if he says no, he basically, the people would be saying, hey, he's going against the law of Moses. He must not be of God. If he says yes, he actually violates Roman law because the Romans and the Jews said the Jews couldn't have executions in their jurisdiction. So either way, he loses. That's the trap. And I gotta imagine that at this point, the religious leaders are pretty smug and, and prideful. You know, they're probably just, you know, high-fiving each other, going, yeah, that's right. We got him now. We got him right where we want him. And then on top of that, you got a picture that the crowd and the tension is just building. People are gathering, and and they're beginning to sense, oh my goodness, something's going down. Something's about to explode. Uh, Remember maybe when you were back in high school uh, and, and a fight would break out? Remember that? You know, somebody would yell, fight, fight! And then you would drop everything, drop what you were doing. Everybody would run to the fight. And typically by the time you got there, it was all over, right? Except if girls were fighting, okay? <laughs> Seriously, you girls, come on now. Cat fight, oh my goodness. You're pulling hair, you're scratching, you're biting. It's, it's intense. Well, the Bible says... Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Why did he do that? What did he write? You know, maybe it's that he knew what was going on in the hearts of everybody there. And he just stooped down from maybe some anger and disappointment. You know, maybe just to pause a moment. Maybe just to compose himself. You know, uh, Mother's Day, parents, you know, if you're a parent, maybe it was like one of those moments you have in the car with your kids, you know, when you're driving and your kids are in the back seat and they're bickering and they're fighting and you're just thinking, please, Lord Jesus, let it stop on its own, right? And then it doesn't. And then finally, exasperated, you, you, you just had enough and you're like, stop it, quit. And then one of them said, it wasn't me, it was her. No, she started. No, he started. And you're like, you're all guilty. 
You know, all of you. I got to believe maybe that's what Jesus was doing. You're all wrong. You're all guilty. We don't really know what he wrote, but we know what he said, and it's very clear. Verse 7. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, stoner. But let those who have never sinned throw the first stones. You know, it would have been very easy for Jesus to move into the role of judge, but he doesn't. Why do you, why do you think no one threw a stone? Those of you without sin, throw the first stone. I think even in those moments when our hearts are hard, like we know the truth. We know we've blown it. We know we're sinners. Even 2,000 years later, right here, right now, we all know the truth. We've all blown it. There's not a person in this room right now without sin in their life. In verse 8 it says, Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Again, we, we really don't know why. Part of me thinks knowing the character of God, he didn't want to add to the shame these people were already feeling. And it makes me think how very different I am from God. How very different we are. I mean, if we were in that situation, we would, I mean, we would have made eye contact with every single person. You know, before people even got going, we'd be like, hey, hey, Johnson, back there in the back, we're talking about sin, you know, he's talking about you, get up and get moving. You know, we, we know what you've done. Your sin is unbelievable. But Jesus never does that. Maybe as he's down for that second time, maybe he's thinking about that woman and about what she was created to do. To have right relationships with people and to have right relationships with God. And to be loved. The same dream he has for all of us. Verse 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away, one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. It, in some ways, as they walked away, what they were doing is, in reality, they were admitting their sin. You know, I wonder as they got away, as you know, the ones that tried to hatch this plot were going, man, whose idea was that? That was embarrassing, you know? What, what were we thinking? And then verses 10 and 11. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Again, Jesus doesn't stop and step into the role of judge. He steps into the role of friend, of savior. Think about it. The only one who could have thrown a stone, 
The only one who had the right to throw a stone never even stooped down to pick one up. Why? Because in just a little while, this man named Jesus was going to go to a cross as payment for all of her sin, for everything she had ever done wrong, for all of our sin. He was going to take it all with him. And then these incredible five words, go and sin no more. Man, do you see this, this picture of forgiveness? I mean, what's, what's important to understand about the character of God is that Jesus accepts and loves this woman without approving of her sin. You know, I, I love his focus. His focus is so much more future oriented. He doesn't bring up the past. He doesn't lecture her about adultery. He says, go, go and sin no more. You are forgiven. Now live like it. In effect, basically what Jesus was saying is, okay, sure, yes, you did wrong. You're all wrong, but I'm going to pay for it. You matter to me. I'm not going to give up on you. Value your life. Don't let it end here. In fact, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened to her. We really don't know. But what we do know is that this event, listen to me, it reveals something about the character of God. It's like the windows have been opened up onto what Jesus is like, to what God is like. Now, here's what I want all of us in this room to do today. Because what we've tried to do in this series is to make it personal, is to make it real. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to that place in your mind where what you know about yourself, okay, your past, your sin, where you've been, what you've done over the period of your life was put up here today on these screens. Go to that place where if we knew all that, what you know about yourself, there would be guilt, there would be shame. Now when you go there, you got a couple of options, we all do. One is you could deny it. You could pretend it doesn't exist. And that leads to a hard heart and distancing yourself from God. You can dwell on it. I mean, you could think about it. You could focus on it. You could just, just focus on what a terrible person you are. And that leads to fear. Either way, the end result for both of those options is the same. They leave you paralyzed spiritually. They leave you in bondage. They leave you uh, enslaved. But there's another option. Confess it. You take it to the feet of Jesus. You know, I got this picture in my mind of Jesus taking it and, and uh, hanging it on the cross with him, with arms outstretched. Now, let me ask you a question. What does Jesus then do with it? One, he wants to replace your guilt with his grace. He wants to replace your guilt with his grace. Listen, if you don't fully understand grace yet, I beg you, I challenge you to get on to a journey to understand grace. Even in my best words, I can't give it full justice. Grace is this unconditional love with forgiveness that God gives to us that we do not deserve, that we cannot earn. It is a completely, totally free gift. Now, to illustrate just a little bit, I want to do a little something that we never, ever do here at Coastal. I do want to single out uh, a guest with us today. Raise your hand this morning if you are a uh, first-time guest, but let's, let's, let's 
put a little caveat on it that you're a first-time guest and you're a mom. Do we have a mom here with us today? And I promise I won't, it's not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to, it's going to be good. Just raise your hand. Okay, there you go, right here. Uh, Sean, come up here and give this to the mother right behind you. We are giving you, this is a $100 Visa gift card. There you go. Welcome to Coastal. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, see, the rest of you are like, man, I missed out. I should have raised my hand. Anyway, that's a gift. And listen, we, we did not collaborate beforehand, did we? No, we did not. Uh, nothing at all. Uh, that's a gift to you. You, you. you didn't deserve, I'm sure you're wonderful, but you don't deserve that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, what it really means is that you can't earn it. You can't work for it. In fact, it's just a gift to you today. In fact, listen, don't put it in the offering plate, okay? And don't spend it on your husband. Don't spend it on your kids. You go out, take care of yourself. That's, that's grace. That's an illustration of grace. Now, uh, what if after church, some of you came up to me who are, you know, regular, he, regular people here, your members here, and you come up to me and say, wait, wait a second, Pastor Chris. I've been here for like 10, 12, 15 years, you know, and I got nothing. You know, where's my Visa gift card? Well, first of all, open up your eyes a little bit. You've got a lot here at Coastal, okay? But, you know, what if, what if I said, okay, well, anybody here been here, you know, 10 years or more, raise your hand. I've got a used lottery ticket for you, okay? I got a, I, I got a nickel. I want to give you a nickel here today. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it, but I want to give this to you. Now, the truth is, that's not a very good illustration of grace because I gave you something of absolutely no value. That's like season tickets to the Carolina football game. That's like, uh, you know, sorry, sorry. Anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like kittens. It's like little cats. No value whatsoever. Anyway, um, grace has value. It's something you don't deserve. It's when God says, listen, I want to come into your light. And that guilt that has been overwhelming you, I want to overwhelm you. I want to overwhelm you with love and forgiveness, and I want to erase that guilt. In fact, what does that lead to? Romans 6.14 says this when you have grace. Sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer subject to the law which enslaves you to sin. Instead, you are set free by what? By God's grace. You're set free by grace. Listen, when Jesus hung on the cross, it's as if he were saying, listen, you deserve to be here. You all deserve to be here because of your sin, but I'm gonna die in your place because I love you and I want a relationship with you and I wanna take that guilt that you're feeling and I wanna replace it with my grace. That's what he wants to do. Number two, God wants to replace your shame and he wants to give you salvation. You know, again, guilt says, I did wrong. And then shame, its brother comes along with, and therefore you don't have much value. You're worthless. I'm unwanted. And some of you, you feel shame just walking into a church. Somebody invited you, and you feel like this place is filled with holy people, which, by the way, means you don't know us very well. But anyway, um, but you think to yourself, I don't belong here. You see, where there's guilt, there's shame. And God says, I want to take that away, and I want to give you salvation. The best way to explain salvation is with this beautiful word called adoption. You know, picture an adoption for a second, where someone that is outside of a family is brought into a family with all the rights and privileges and love. And when God adopts us into his family, all we have to do is say, yes, I want to be a part. And he brings us into his family. You know, every movie that there's ever been 
about an orphanage, right? Think about whether it's like Annie or Stuart Little or you know, any of those movies. The potential parents all come in and they look over, right, the children in the orphanage and they size them up, right? Typically, they don't want the kids that are older. They don't want the kids that aren't as cute or pretty. They don't want the kids with a past. Except, finally, that one family who comes in and they can see past all that. And they're willing to take a chance. And then the movie begins, right? Well, think about it. When God adopts us into his family, that's a picture of salvation. We don't deserve it. But the difference is, listen to this, he never sizes you up. He doesn't care about your past. He, he never looks at how, how stained we are. He doesn't look at how ugly we are. Instead, and, and instead of the child, instead of you and me hoping against all hope that maybe, just maybe, you know, this family or that parent or that mom or that dad will choose me, it's the loving father, listen to this, waiting on you to accept his offer. And salvation is when you and I say, yes, yes, I want to have a relationship with you. And then he adopts us into his family. That's what Ephesians 1.5 says. His unchanging plan has always been what? To adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through who? Through Jesus Christ. And this, listen to this. Man, I love this part. And this gave him great pleasure. So what's your response? Listen, that's Jesus. That's what he's wanting us to see and understand with this encounter with this woman. That's a picture of what Jesus is like. That's what God is like. And, and as I think about how he treated that woman that day, I can only come up with one action step for you and me. One little thing I wanna challenge you to do with today, and it's this, pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Listen, when you truly understand and experience God's salvation, his grace, the only thing that's left to do is for me and you to pursue a relationship with him. Now, I realize that in saying that, that we're all at different places spiritually here this morning. Some of you are here today and you're here for the first time or you're here and you're just kind of, you know, you've been invited by a friend and you hear that phrase, you know, pursue Jesus. And you're like, whoa, 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 slow down, tiger, you know. I, 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 don't, I don't know about all that. Listen to me. I want to challenge you today. Pursue him. You know, and again, I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about religion. I am saying, listen, make it a commitment to find out who Jesus really is and what a relationship with him looks like. And that's what we're here for. That's what the church is here for. The church is here to point you to him, to help you in any way to discover what it means to know him and to have a relationship with him. Now, for those of you who are here who are already followers of Jesus, I wanna give you a little advice on how to help those who are friends of yours pursue him. One, drop the rocks. Drop the rocks. You know, when you relate to people who aren't yet believers, quit throwing rocks at them. We are so quick to condemn and so slow to show compassion. Listen, you really can love people without loving or approving of the sin 
in their life. I think we got this whole thing messed up. We look at somebody whose lifestyle is different than, than ours. And yes, sure, maybe they're making poor choices. Sure, maybe they're doing something that Jesus wouldn't do. But for some reason, we say, well, what would Jesus do? And we think that he would be angry at them. And so therefore, we are, and we throw rocks at them. What I've learned in my own life is that if I would drop the rocks then my hands are open to point people to Jesus. And my hands are open to serve people and to love them. I've had to learn in my own life to be less tolerant of the sin in my own life and more tolerant of people who don't know Jesus yet. That's our mission, isn't it? So drop the rocks. The other thing I would say to those of you who'd like to help a friend who doesn't know the Lord yet to pursue him is to quit the quits. <laughs> quit the quits. Well, you know, if you, if you just quit smoking, if you would just quit drinking, and we think for some reason that's all about quitting. Christianity, listen to me, it is not about quitting. Some of you grew up in churches with all these rules. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't wear that. And for you, it became all about quitting, and you never knew anything about Jesus. You didn't know what it was to have a relationship with him. Listen, when you allow him to fully invade your life and to fill you with his Holy Spirit, that checklist in your life becomes less and less important. You don't become a vibrant believer because of all the things that you quit. That's why so many of you live in bondage today to your past. That's why you're so full of guilt and shame because you're still living under the law and the Bible says it's grace that sets you free. The last two verses on your outline pretty much summarize everything I've been talking about today. John 3, 16, you might have heard this one before, but I want you to see verse 17 as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save. And in Romans 8, 1, we actually looked at this last week. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to do something for me. If you're taking notes today, you got your outline. In the, in the passage in John, I want you to circle the word believes. Believes. In the Romans passage, I want you to circle the word belong. <coughs> belong. Listen to me. If you believe you belong. If you believe, you belong. Say that with me. If you believe, you belong. Say it again. If you believe, you belong. Listen, that's what a Christian is. You believe that Jesus died on the cross as a payment for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. We've said this before in this series. Jesus took a beating so that you don't have to. You can stop beating yourself up for the things in your past because Jesus has already died for that. And then Jesus was taken off that cross. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead to prove that he is God, that he has power over sin and death. And if you believe that, if you put your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, if you acknowledge him to be your savior and then your Lord, listen to me, you belong. You belong. That is salvation. Salvation. And if there has never been a time in your life 
that you have done that. If there's never been a moment in your life when you personally said yes to Jesus, what are you waiting on? Why don't you do it today? Listen, we've dropped the rocks here. We're all sinners in need of a savior. And here today, we're pointing you to one. One has been provided. It's Jesus. He is the only way you're ever gonna be forgiven and set free. He wants to replace your guilt with his grace. He wants to replace that shame in your life that you feel with his salvation if you let him. And then the result of that is that you belong. You're adopted into his family. You have salvation. And as a result of all of that, this is where it's so beautiful, listen to me. As a result of all that, you know what Jesus says to all of us? Go. Go and sin no more. What's he mean? He's like, go, live like it. Go and become more and more like God now sees you in Jesus. Forgiven. White as snow. Clean. If you've never made that decision, today's the day. What are you waiting on? You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.